Our text is from the epistle reading we heard a few moments ago from 1 Corinthians, these words, So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. That's 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 27. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it was before my brother Mark, my oldest brother, received his kidney pancreas transplant some 25 years ago that the doctor with whom he was working, a new doctor, a young doctor there at the University of Denver, it was before that operation as my brother was at a checkup of one sort or another that the doctor said something to him that I thought was very intriguing. And what he said, that doctor in Denver, what that doctor said was that my brother, after struggling with type 1 diabetes for over 20 years, my brother who had had this type of insulin and that, this type of treatment and that, my brother would be the best at assessing how his body actually was. He would be the best, my brother, at assessing his own condition. I mean, shouldn't the doctor be the one who determined that? No. No. Why? Well, my brother had lived with diabetes for so long its ups and its downs, that he he definitely would be the one, the only one who could understand how his body was doing as he prepared for that operation. Now what intrigued me at the time, and still intrigues me, was a kind of separation of my brother from his body, of the doctor asking my brother to assess his own body objectively, as if somehow my brother was disconnected from it, but yet was so intimately familiar with it. For it's kind of hard to think that way, isn't it? To think of ourselves on the one hand as existing, and on the other hand, of our bodies as something other. Of our bodies as something we oversee and control. In some way, more common is to associate our bodies with ourselves, right? More common is to judge and discern and determine who a person is on the basis of their body. Here I'm not talking about gender dysphoria issues, which are all the rage, although this is unfortunately an aspect of this, but simply the human body and categorizing a person by their body as if their body were all there was to that person. But that's not true, is it? It's not true. Especially as we take the elderly into account who are only too willing to warn us about what happens as we get older. Our bodies wearing out, doing things over which we have no control, and not doing things that they used to do with ease, And yet the minds in those bodies 
inside, remaining the same as they always have been. Our bodies in this way are like a car, a car that was brand new once and drove so beautifully, but over time things started to happen, steering started loosening up, the brakes started squealing, the brake pedals started softening up, the windshield cracked, the upholstery tore, yet the driver remained the same. That driver is us. In our text from 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul notes that this is a problem, that if we are unaware of what is happening with our bodies and don't keep them under control in some way, they can lead us into all sorts of trouble. Trouble like that of the Israelites in the wilderness, listening to their bodies and needs of their bodies as the basis for their complaints against Moses and their complaints against God. And in the Gospel reading, we run into the same situation with the workers in the vineyard, working all day, being upset because... Uh, with, their, with their pay because, as they put it, they had borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. Of course, in our world today, it's common for people to allow their bodies to dictate their actions, their movements, their thoughts, and their speech. Here's not a question of how our bodies and their limitations might be overcome to do the things of God, to be the mask of God for our neighbor, to serve our neighbor in love, but how we might allow our bodies to restrict us And conveniently so, especially when it comes to the things of God. This might be hard to hear. On my vicarage in Iowa, I had around 30 shut-ins, 30 shut-ins that I visited each month, a number of whom who would routinely be spotted driving around town, going to the stores, and eating at restaurants, but they just couldn't make it to church. You see, the problems of their bodies prevented them from doing so, I was told. And yet, conversely, every Sunday there was one man, one man who on crutches, and these were the ones that you connect to the front part of your arms and you walk like this, who on crutches every Sunday, he would drag himself up the stairs into our church to sit in his pew. And then he would drag himself up to the altar to receive communion. He was not going to let the limitations of his body prevent him from hearing the gospel, preventing him from receiving the sacraments. Now we could argue here that Christ's 40 days and nights in the wilderness were all about this same topic. And that is, to what extent was our Savior going to allow his body's need for food dictate whether or not he fulfilled his Father's will? What were then the temptations of the devil after those, those days, those weeks, in, uh, over a month in the wilderness, but temptations of the body? Temptations having to do with hunger. Temptations having to do with safety. With world position. And ultimately the cross of Jesus comes into view here, doesn't it? The willing sacrifice, the sacrifice of the body of Christ. The willing shedding of the blood of Christ for us so that the sins of our bodies might be forgiven and are forgiven through faith in him in Jesus Christ in other words Jesus disciplined his body to the point that he could offer it up as a sacrifice for the sin of the world difficult for him think here of his sweat that turned into drops of blood that was a bodily issue wasn't it Now, different of course is the approach of Hinduism 
In, Hindu, in, in Hinduism, it is taught that the root of all suffering is the attachment of our bodies to this world and its desires and its needs and wants. So if only a person can completely detach their bodies from this world through meditation, such suffering can be avoided. But in the process of seeking such detachment of our bodies from the world, can anything else be done? Can anything else be done but to sit all day and have others serve us as we pursue such detachment? So much different is the way of Jesus Christ. So much different the way of Jesus Christ. In Christ, we're inspired by his spirit and empowered by his spirit to recognize the propensity of our bodies to chase after this and desire that. And, and so the issue is not detachment. For if we detach from our bodies, what can we do? Better the idea that Paul uses, the Holy Spirit teaches, discipline of realizing what is going on of understanding a want or need of our body being not necessarily our want or need but our bodies chasing after this or that in the world perhaps the image of a dog on a leash can be helpful here as each day we take our bodies for a walk in the world they would go here and there chasing after this or that, but our hearts, our minds, our souls in faith holding firmly to the leash, keeping our bodies under submission. Possible? Through faith in Christ, we pray daily for this to occur. In the drowning and dying of our old Adam and the emerging of our new man, that is the emerging of our bodies, no longer under the control of the devil or the world or the flesh, straining at the leash but under the authority of Christ, our Lord and Savior, His Holy Spirit and our loving Father in heaven. What is the emerging of the new man then but a keeping under control of the old Adam, of bringing it to heal? Later on in his second letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul would speak similarly about our bodies, comparing them to tents, tents that wear out and earthen vessels that are fragile at best. We have this treasure, Paul writes there. We have this treasure, which is our life in Christ, in jars of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. In our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Again, afflicted but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, carrying in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be made known in our bodies, in what we do. This all occurs because we're driven by the Spirit of God to discipline our bodies, to keep them under control, and often... That's not easy. It's not easy. But we don't lose heart. Paul continues there in 2 Corinthians 4. We don't lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, just like the elderly tell us, our inner nature is being renewed every day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us 
an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Because we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I'm going to repeat that last part. Because we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now, really here is where we have the key to discipline. Of discipline really in any form when we are disciplining ourselves. And that is that we have in our minds, we have in our minds that which is unseen. That which is unseen. Think here of the athletes who have trained endlessly for the Winter Olympics. As they have trained, what have they kept in their minds, in their hearts, in their souls, but this gold medal, a gold medal which they have not seen and will not see unless they win it in competition. Hours and hours and hours and days are spent in training, weeks and months and years, with that unseen thing in their minds. That unseen thing that gets them to to rise early. That unseen thing that urges them not to eat one thing and to eat another. That unseen thing that encourages them to go just a bit faster, keep going a bit longer, lift a little bit more. Why are most of us not Olympic athletes? Besides the question of talent coaching, other resources. It's simply discipline, isn't it? The disciplining of our bodies. Not wishing to dedicating ourselves for years to that unseen thing, the Olympic medal. You know, I worked out once for an hour and a half, just an hour and a half, with two Olympic caliber swimmers. My coach thought it would be funny if he'd throw me in the lane with those two. And I strained and I strove just to keep up with them. They swam back and forth across the pool. And I thought I was going to die. They were going so fast. I kept up. My heart felt like I was going to explode. And at the end, I had to recover for quite some time, hanging like an old dish rag over one of the lane lines in the pool. The pool, those two simply hopped out of and would be back to the next day for two more workouts. And I remember thinking at that moment, if this is what it takes to be that good, I'm out. And I gave up. But when it comes to faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we don't give up. That we continue each day. No matter what we face in faith in Jesus, but it's in faith in Jesus that we need to realize and recognize that we can find ourselves at war with our bodies. Our new man faced with disciplining our bodies in which the old Adam would do whatever he would want to do. The point for this morning is simple, really. And that is we recognize that this is going on. That's it. And live from this moment onward in that knowledge, in Christ, through faith in Christ, our sins even of the body forgiven, recognizing that we do in fact have bodies that need to be kept daily in check. Amen. Now may the peace which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. We rise and confess our Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed.